turn this evening to that portion of God's Word upon which that hymn is based, Psalm 23. So 23rd Psalm, please. I suspect that many of you need not turn there, because you know it off by heart, but it's always good to follow along in the Scripture. The privilege is ours that we have uh, the full revelation of the Word of God before us in a faithful translation. And so let's avail of the opportunity and open up the Word before us. And let's follow along the reading of God's precious truth. So the 23rd Psalm, a Psalm of David. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And we trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Let's take another moment, please. And come before him and ask for his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Eternal God and loving Father, once again we draw nigh unto thee and in through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that that signifies, his person, his nature, his character, his work. We thank thee, Lord, for the one who is our Redeemer. And Lord, we come to thee this night and we pray that thou would wash us in the Redeemer's blood, and fill us full with thy Spirit. O God, I come to thee, and I pillow myself upon thee. Thou art my beloved, and I give myself fresh to thee, thou who knowest all my weakness, thou who knowest all my care, while I plead each precious promise. O hear and answer prayer. O God, come, O Father, make it a blessed time. Lord, come and may thy presence be an own, a felt reality, ministering to our hearts through the word. It is a principal means of grace, and we thank thee that the Holy Ghost is promised to be amongst us. And so, Lord, we have this blessed assurance that thou art in our midst. So hear our prayer and apply the word, uh, such familiar words, but may they come with power to each and every heart. We ask this in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. But tonight I want to conclude uh, the series that I began towards the end of August last year, the compound names of the Lord. And we find ourselves in Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm is possibly the most beloved passage in the Word of God and is without doubt the best known of the Psalms. Spurgeon called it the pearl of the Psalms. And there's many, many other men we could quote Uh, concerning this 23rd Psalm. Millions have memorized it. Ministers have recited it at weddings and funerals to offer words of comfort, uh, hope and peace. They thought about words of comfort. I'm sure that's more for the funeral than it is for the wedding. But anyway, they have quoted it. The Psalm has dried many tears. It has dissipated many fears. There have been numerous books and sermons and songs, devotionals, all based on the Psalm. And there's nothing that I could say and there's nothing that I will say that has not been said before, but that does not mean that we should not consider it once again. 
This psalm was written by David. Now, we can't be dogmatic about when he wrote this. Some of the other titles of the psalm, they indicate to us when a particular psalm was written. But mention of the valley of the shadow of death and enemies recalls to mind those experiences that David had with men like Saul and Absalom who sought his life. This would suggest at least that this song was written later in his life and not necessarily when he was a shepherd lad pasturing his father's flocks. It is evident, however, that he never forgot his roots, and there was no man more qualified to speak with such metaphors that fill this psalm than David. Here he depicts himself as a sheep, and while the word sheep is not mentioned, it is obviously implied in the opening words, the Lord is my shepherd. And this opening clause of the psalm is a A phrase that if we took by itself, you know, we could parse each one of those five words. We could look at them and we could build a point out of those words. The Lord is my shepherd. And we could construct a message out of that opening clause. But it's in these opening words that we find the Hebrew name or the designation that we will consider this evening. Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord my shepherd. The Lord, my shepherd. Now, strictly speaking, in comparison to the other compound names of Jehovah, it's not specifically a name, it's rather a designation. Nevertheless, uh, there is perhaps no name, we might say, is the Lord being our shepherd, designation more sweet in the believer's ear than this one. The Lord, my shepherd. Now, once again, just to remind us that we're studying these names, not simply that our knowledge might increase, but rather that we might employ them in prayer, that through their revelation of who God is, that we would have a closer, we would have a deeper walk with our God, and that we would, as the Catechism uh, teaches us, that we would enjoy Him forever. Our God is to be enjoyed. And He reveals Himself in all these compound names, what He does for us, what He means to us, what He is to us, that we might enjoy Him not only in this life, but in the world that is to come. So tonight we're going to consider Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. And we're going to think of that under two headings. Firstly, let's think about the confidence in the shepherd. The confidence in the shepherd. David describes God not as a shepherd or the shepherd, but as my shepherd, which pictures that personal, intimate concern that the Lord has for every aspect of the life of each of his sheep. It was Martin Luther said that the Christian faith is a matter of personal pronouns. Now we know that the Lord, that God in a corporate sense he's spoken of as the shepherd of Israel in Psalm 80 and verse 1. But this is a very personal, it's a very intimate confession and declaration of the psalmist's relationship with the Lord. In the English translation before us, we notice that David uses the first person pronouns, I, me, and my, and he uses them 17 times in six verses. And this psalm is dealing very much with the individual sheep and their personal relationship with the shepherd. Now, David speaks here with confidence. He knows with assurance that the Lord is his Shepherd, hence he uses that possessive determiner, my, and that makes all the difference. He is my God, he is my Savior, he's my rock, 
He's my salvation. He's my strength. He's my song. It's that little word that makes all the difference. You know, if that hymn had have been written at that time, David, no doubt, would have certainly sung the words, Dear Savior, dear Savior, Thou art mine. How sweet the thought to me. Then the chorus, Mine, mine, mine. I know Thou art mine. Now, why does David have this assurance? How can he speak with such confidence? How can any child of God have the assurance that they too know the Lord as their Savior, as their Shepherd, and a day too will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Well, while I said that we cannot know the exact time of when the psalm was written with respect to the historical events, we do know that it comes after Psalm 22 in the Psalter. And Psalm 22 is a psalm of the cross. And it's also a psalm of David. David knew the Lord as his shepherd, his shepherd in life, and he could speak confidently in this manner because he first knew the Lord as his sacrifice. And that, dear friend, is where assurance is found in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think of doubting Thomas as he's labeled, as he's often labeled. And you know, we have to be thankful that there's such an individual recorded in Scripture. Oh no, we would be bereft of comfort, of instruction, if there was no such person as doubting Thomas in Scripture. Because you and I, don't we often doubt? But when and where did he get this, this assurance? When was he enabled to cry out with confidence using the personal pronoun, my Lord and my God. It's when he put the finger, his finger, in the wounds of Jesus Christ. The marks of the finished work drew from his soul the affirmation of his personal interest in Jesus Christ. Now that work which Christ has accomplished for his people, it's often put forward in Scripture under the imagery of what the shepherd does for the sheep. This is a major theme of the relationship of the Lord and that relationship that He has with His people. I would say apart from that relationship that sets forth under the imagery of marriage, the marriage bond, or we could say the bride and the bridegroom, the husband and the wife, this illustration of the shepherd and the sheep, well, it is the second, I believe, most prominent illustration of the relationship that the Lord Jesus has with His people. Now, of course, we must start of what we were by nature. As Isaiah so vividly puts it forth in his prophecy, each one of us were as sheep going astray. We were all out in the mountains, wild and bare, far from the tenders, tender shepherd's care. And our sin separated us from him. Yet he came, he came to seek the lost. He came to seek those who were scattered as the one so wonderfully described in Ezekiel chapter 34, 11 to 16. We don't have time to go there, but that's a wonderful portion of Scripture of how he came to seek and to save, to gather out from the nations of the world those who were scattered, those who were astray, and all that he would do for them. He came as a good shepherd, the one unto whom the sheep belonged. They were given to him by the Father, and yet he must come to purchase them with his own blood. He had an everlasting love for and a deep interest in his sheep. And therefore, unlike the hireling, 
He laid down his life for them. He laid down his life for you. He, he was the one who gave his life for us, the lost sheep. And yet as a great shepherd, he was brought again from the dead by the blood of the everlasting covenant or through or because that he shed his precious blood and the work was complete and full atonement for your sin, for my sin was made or else he could not have been brought from the dead. The very fact that that tomb there in Jerusalem is empty, that Christ is now seated on high, is your assurance, it's your guarantee, by which you can confidently say that your sins are paid, and that Christ is your Savior, and that you too someday will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hebrews 10, it speaks of that full assurance of faith that we can have, And that is based on the finished work of Christ. You see, the old adversary, he comes. And he will come and he does come. He comes to rob the saint of their assurance and therefore their enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not what we're created for, to glorify our God, to enjoy Him. Doesn't He want to thwart that purpose? He wants to prevent that. He wants to rob God not only of glory, but that we might enjoy Him. And so He comes to make us doubt. And that's what he does. He gets us to consider what we have done, what we have prayed, or how we have felt. But those are all subjective feelings, experiences, or thoughts. Now, I'm not saying that they're not real. They are. They're real feelings, they're real thoughts, but that is not where our assurance is found. Look away to Christ. Look away to the one who... We read there prophetically in Psalm 22 who cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Understand that it was for your sin, my sin, that he was forsaken. Remember the truth that is conveyed in that hymn we sang on Sunday evening. Augustus Top Lady, he said, Payment God cannot twice demand, first at my bleeding surety's hand, and then again at mine. There's no ifs here, there's no buts. There is no I hope so, but David confidently says, the Lord is my shepherd. Child of God, that's a blessed thing. And you can only say that, and only anyone can only say that at first. They understand and realize and accept and believe that Christ is their sacrifice. We come to the psalm of the crook, but we must pass through the psalm of the cross. And so there is the confidence in the shepherd. But secondly, this evening, and I do have only two points, but this one will have some sub-points, there is the care, the care of the shepherd. And this is what this psalm so clearly sets before us. It comes after the cross. He cares for you, child of God. Just as he is your shepherd, so you are his sheep. And He has made you for Himself. He's made you by creation. He's made you anew by redemption. And He careth for you continually and constantly. This care is conveyed to us under the imagery of a shepherd. In the Oriental world, shepherds, they were not the most respected profession. A shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. If a family needed 
someone to look after the flocks? Well, it was always the youngest son, like David, who got the job. And yet the Lord accommodates to our weakness, and He chooses to reveal Himself to us metaphorically as the shepherd of His people in order that you and I might have some understanding of His care for us. Spurgeon, he made this comment, what condescension is this? That the infinite Lord assumes towards His people the office and character of a shepherd. It should be the subject of grateful admiration that the great God allows himself to be compared to anything. Now, he might be compared metaphorically to anything. This one who is beyond our comprehension. And yet he so condescends to not take a high profession to convey his care to us, but the lowliest, the meanest of jobs in the Eastern world in ancient times so that you and I might have a grasp and understanding of His great love for His own people. I'm so glad that He's done that. Because I'm sure we have all some understanding of a, a shepherd does. A shepherd does a number of things for the good of his sheep. And as it is in the natural realm, so it is in the spiritual realm, from which this language is, is based upon. The Lord does a number of things for His people by which He manifests His care for them, for you. I want to bring three things to your attention. We notice this care, the care of the shepherd. Firstly, we notice His provision for the sheep. And you well know you could spend weeks in Psalm 23. It's only a brief look at it. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. His provision for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. It goes on to say, or sorry, he goes on to say, I shall not want. I shall lack nothing needful. Nothing needful. As the good shepherd of the sheep, he meets every need of his flock. We're told that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, there is no want, there is no lack to those that trust in him. And that's what we need to understand is lack in that which is needful. There's many things that the selfish and the greedy heart might want. But the Lord does not meet that need. Green pastures, we go on to read, green pastures and, and quiet or still waters, they are mentioned first because they are the priority of the needs of sheep if they are to survive and grow. And the idea of the tense of the verbs here, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me. The idea of the tense here is this is something that our God, the Lord does for us over and over again. The Lord daily provides for our spiritual needs. Sustenance. Provision. Is discovered and needs are met only as the sheep follows the shepherd. He will lead them to still waters and, and green pastures. But if they will not follow him, if they will not follow the shepherd, then they well may, may find themselves with unresolved needs. It's not because he hasn't provided, but simply because the sheep have not followed the Lord. The Lord speaks from his word. And it's in his word that he leads us into green pastures. I'm thinking about this today, and on the farm we had what you call um, rotation grazing. They went from paddock to paddock. 
And the cows, they grazed one, and when that was done, you moved them into another. And I used to know some, they back fence so the cows don't tramp over the grass that they've already eaten over. But I thought the books of the Bible, the chapters of the Bible, they're like different pastures and paddocks. And the Lord leads us into fresh grazing day and daily. There's provision there, but we must follow Him there in the Word, for it's there that we will find a provision for the needs for our souls. Well, what does He provide for His people? As He cares and He tends for us through life. Well, I could sum it up in three words when we think of His provision for the sheep. The manifestation of the care of the shepherd. He provides rest. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Refreshment. He leadeth me beside still waters. Restoration. He restoreth my soul. Rest, refreshment, and restoration. And isn't our God exactly suited to what you and I need? Surely these three things cover everyone's need in this meeting tonight. Some need rest. Agitated. Some need refreshment. You're weary in the work. Some need a restoration in the soul. Let's think of them individually. Rest. With Christ as my shepherd, I have a conscience. You have a conscience that is at peace with God. What a blessed rest that is. Sins are atoned for. The agitation of our souls that's caused by guilt and fear of judgment, they're all gone through the work of Christ. Therefore, we can lay our heads upon the pillow. And sleep well at night. And say it's well with my soul. This is the rest wherewith the weary rest. Are you heavy laden? Cumbered with a load of care? Well, bring your burden to the Lord and cast it upon Him. And you will find what? Rest for your soul. That's the provision He'll give to you. Refreshment. This world is a wearisome place. And we wander in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. But there is provision from Christ by which our souls can be refreshed. You know, often in Scripture, and you know this, the emblem of water is employed to represent the gracious operations of the Spirit of God. And Christ Himself, He said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This He speak of the Spirit. That's... He, we should say, the Spirit is the pure river, the water of life which proceedeth from the, the throne of God and from the Lamb. Isn't the Spirit sent by the Father and the Son? And it is the Spirit of God. It is that river that makes glad the city of our God. That secret well that springeth up within us. That well of water of life that springeth up unto everlasting life. And you know, when the Spirit receives the things of Christ and shows them to the believer, well, your hearts are revived. The work doesn't become as toilsome anymore. Prayer's not as laborsome. When you see Christ, to be led beside still waters is really to be walking in the Spirit. To be enjoying communion with Him. We need the soul refreshing of His free and unbounded grace. And the Lord is the one who provides that for us through the Spirit. Restoration. He restoreth my soul. Well, it has the thought to bring the soul 
that has become unlike itself back again. To bring the soul that has become unlike itself back again. And the Lord can do that for those who have gone astray. He can do that for the, the backslidden. Wasn't it David who cried unto the Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Is that something you need tonight? Is that a provision you need? Well, it's found in Christ. He will provide that for you. The church often needs to be restored to its first love. The souls of believers become unlike themselves in that firstborn light and gloom declines. Where is the blessedness? I knew when first I sought the Lord. The Lord, our shepherd, restores our souls through the ministry of the word, through prayer and praise and the communion of the saints. Those who neglect the means of grace where their souls become unlike what God intended for them. He is my shepherd, and therefore I shall not want. One man said, want and Jehovah should be an incompatible concepts to the child of God. For having the Lord, we should lack nothing. We should lack nothing. The reason we do is not our Savior's fault, it's our fault for not following Him as we ought. Another manifestation of Jehovah Rohi's care is his protection of the sheep. Provision for the sheep, his protection of the sheep. This comes across in the psalm to protect sheep against predators. The shepherds, they would carry two pieces of equipment, the rod and the staff. One of them was a club, it was a heavy light weapon, it could have been tossed, thrown at the, the predator. The other one was the familiar crook that the shepherd would have used to to rescue the sheep, to protect them, or to place across their backs as he counted them into the sheepfold. Sheep, Philip Keller says in his classic book on this chapter, he says, they will not lie down if they are not free from fear. The shepherd safeguards the sheep, not only from danger, but also when they are in danger. The Lord protects His people from many things seen and many things unseen. What does He protect us from? Well, He protects us from making wrong decisions and going down the wrong pathway in life, only if we follow His guidance at us. It's been well reported that the eastern shepherd goes before the sheep He calls them by name. He leads them out. He leads them in paths of righteousness for His own name's sake. And when we acknowledge the Lord, He will direct our paths. And that's in every sphere of life. By the Lord's foreknowledge and by virtue of the reason that His thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace and not of evil, the Lord foresees, the Lord will protect us. He will provide for us. He will preserve us from many a heartache and many a shipwreck that comes as a result of going astray. He protects us from going down the wrong pathway in life. He also protects us in the pathway of life where we will inevitably face danger. Pilgrim's Progress Classic. I often refer to it, but sure you couldn't do any better next to Bible. At one point in the pilgrimage, Christian, he comes to a point in the road and before him he sees two lions. 
But he must progress that way, for that's the road that leads to the celestial city. And he must go, and he presses on, and he stays to the center of the path, and that's representation of the obedience to the will of God. And as he does, he presses through, and they don't touch him. They can't touch him. Because he looks back with hindsight, and he sees that they have been restrained by chains. As long as he was in the middle of the path of obedience, he was protected from danger. And so the Lord will protect us as he restrains our enemies. Keep to the straight and narrow way. While the old adversary may be there seeking whom he may devour, stick to the path of obedience and the Lord will protect us. He protects us from our adversaries to such an extent that we read there that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We can sit down even in the midst of hostile and persecution and adverse circumstances in the church of God, and we can still have fellowship. We can still delight and rejoice in our God and feast our souls upon Him. Take it to the worst extreme. Yes, the adversaries, the enemies, they may be able to touch the body, but they cannot touch the soul. The Lord will protect us. He will protect us. There's enemies. And they seek to climb into the sheepfold by some other way. They call out to the sheep to to follow, but they will not follow because they know not the voice of strangers. And the Lord, He protects His people and that He's given unto us His Holy Spirit and His Word by which we can try the spirits to see if they be of God. That's another way that He protects us. He also protects His sheep from the last enemy, death. Yes, though we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for the Lord will be with us. The one who has triumphed over death, the one who has triumphed over death will bear us safely over, and He will protect us from the sting of death. Because, because His soul was stabbed by its awful inflicting wound upon Calvary. He will bring everyone safely home because He will protect His own. You pray in this manner, child of God. This is how He's revealed Himself unto us. Jehovah Rohi, one who provides, one who protects. Carry back to Him what He has promised to do for you. Lord, you have said, as my shepherd, you would provide for me and you would protect me. The care of the shepherd, it's manifested in his provision for the sheep and his protection of the sheep, but also, lastly, in his presence with the sheep. The eastern shepherd was with his sheep 24-7. He was with them during the day, leading them into fresh pasture, watching over them. He slept at the door of the sheepfold during the night. The Jew would often be upon the shepherd. And so the Lord is ever with his people. He said that even in Des Valley he'd be with us. He does not leave us under the care of a hireling. Now in the church there are under shepherds. Remember what I said on the Lord's day. It is the Lord through them who cares for the flock. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And isn't it great to have such a shepherd 
whose eye is always upon us, who foresees into the future and is already the provision and the protection and place for all that we need. We are never out of the tender shepherd's care. As I conclude draw the series to a close, it has been suggested that the seven compound names of Jehovah that we have previously studied, or rather what each of those compound names reveals to us about the nature, the character, the person, the work of our God, they're found in this psalm presented before us in which we find the Lord as Jehovah Rohi. In the words, I shall not want. There we have Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In the words, he maketh me to lie down, there we have Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. In the words, green pastures and the still waters, that which nourishes the sheep, that which builds them up and causes them to grow and to thrive. There we have Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies thee. In the words, he restoreth my soul. There we have Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. In the words, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness. There we have Jehovah Sekenu, the Lord our righteousness. In the words, for thou art with me. There we have Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. And in the words, thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, there we have Jehovah Nassai, the Lord my banner. He has made himself known unto us by these wonderful compound names. Therefore, it is a blessed psalm to finish on. For there we have the fullness of the revelation of what our Lord does for us through life. Now we see through a glass darkly. But someday we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. and We shall behold his beauty. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd, he will keep us, he will lead us, he will guide us, he will protect us, he will provide for us, he will do all this for us, for he loves us, and he gave himself to the cross of Calvary and the ultimate demonstration of that. Do not doubt, child of God, though that is easier said than done. But pillow yourself upon the blessed revelation of who our God is and how he has made himself known to us by these wonderful compound names of Jehovah. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for his own name's sake.